Welcome back to Take a Moment. I'm Nathan Bennett. I'm Mari Yamaguchi. Nathan, would you run toward the roar? I would run toward the roar after having the conversation that we had today with our guest. Yes. Today we have a very special episode with Davey Blackburn, who you may or may not already be familiar with. Um, he has been on some national television shows um, because of the unfortunate circumstances that surround his story. But it's really not about that today. It's not about tragedy. Uh, it's more about hope. It's also about the business behind religion. Mm -hmm. And not to be disrespectful of religion or faith, it's that idea that it there is structure right. and there's things that are going on behind the scenes there to make sure design intentionality right. uh, we get into how he's been able to use technology to spread uh hope and to help people all across the world who may be dealing with their own personal tragedies and he's been able to do it uh in an exponential way just because of the power of the technology that he's using but also the user design of his yes, website absolutely. the things that he's giving away to his users it's a real good lesson in good marketing and good business practices right. as well as a story of hope as mari said this is a unique episode for us because we're talking to a pastor and he's very forthright about sharing his particular faith we also want to say that just because this is his particular faith, it doesn't mean that we are espousing uh, one religion over another. We're respectful of all religions, of course, but this is his personal experience, and we do get to learn a lot of lessons from right. his story. And we should also caveat a little bit that the story that he shares, it is, it is tragic mm -hmm. uh, in nature, and there probably will be parts that are going to be hard for our listeners, so um, we want to prepare you for that, but right. also we want you to be able to hear how he has been able to take that and find new purpose and also at the same time use that as a catapult to reach others by using technology. Absolutely. It's an incredible conversation. And we hope you take a moment with us. We have Davey Blackburn in our studio today. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us, Davey. It's an honor. Yeah, so we wanted to have this conversation with you because you bring a lot of great knowledge, uh, both from the ministry side and also from this new set of audience that we try to target as marketers and as business folks around millennials and how we connect with them and how we use technology and all that great stuff. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting for those of you who listen to our introduction of Davey, you already know that he's kind of created a a different kind of church or a different kind of worship experience. It's not your your grandfather's brick and mortar church building with weird stained glass windows and and pipe organ music. Um, it in and fact the scary is preacher in the scary the preachers <laughs> pounding uh, their dogma on the on the podium. But um, this instead is more of a virtual church. Is that is that correct, Davey? Yeah, I mean, I think you could definitely call it that. It it didn't start out with that as the idea behind it because it, when we first started the podcast that we do and then this online platform that we have with people in the community that it's turned into, we were still I was still a pastor of a quote unquote brick and mortar church, and so it was more of like an extension of what we do. And then we began to realize, or at least you know, my life calling began to take a different direction in the sense that I realized this is really what I was kind of built to do in this next season. And so started heading down that path of just particularly focusing on the podcasting, the building a community around that. And, 
you know, right right now we have uh, tens of thousands of listeners. Um, we, we've just since November ha- had over two hundred thousand downloads on the podcast. That's great. And wow. So it's just a it's been a really it's a wild ride. But um, I think you know one of the things that for me I, I wrestled with for a while. You know, I'm a pastor uh, by by nature, by calling. And so I wrestle with this idea of, can I still be a pastor if I'm not the, the pastor of a local church or a local congregation? Yeah, because to, to, to many, pastor means a physical person that is there. Right. And then you start to realize there's lots of different types of pastors. You can you can play that out in a lot of different types of roles. And specifically, we were talking off air about the, the idea of an evangelist who usually travels and speaks. And there's a very, very famous evangelist that, you know, I grew up in, in the Wesleyan church and grew, went to a Wesleyan school. And John Wesley has this famous quote that he said, um, the world is my parish. And I think that's something that I've begun to think about. You know, I don't call it my parish because I feel like that's extremely old school. But the, the concept is that, you know, because of the power of technology, we can leverage that to get a message. No matter what that message is, we can get it out to the masses. And we're not confined to a brick and mortar. We're not confined to some uh, proximity of the, the, you know, specifically people we interact with, you know, person to person every single day. Now this message can go out all over the place. And so, um, and, and it's not very difficult to do that. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you had to invest a ton of money into equipment to get to broadcast any kind of message, whatever it is, whether it be a faith-based message or, or any, other, any kind of mess, political message, whatever it is. Now, you know, a couple thousand dollars, if that, you can do what we're doing right now. And as many people as want to can tune in. Um, we were just having a conversation uh, with a doctor who um, can check up on patients mm-hmm. virtually yeah. in a way that's never been possible before. He talked about um, patients being in the desert or right. somewhere in Kenya. In Kenya. So, and he can be really here remote. in the States. And, and they have like a kiosk set up where they yeah. can take um, blood pressure, uh, blood pressure yeah. and heart, heart, heart monitors, monitors yep. and they can right. uh, have a consultation in that way. And wow. he's in his office in Indiana and they're there. And, and in a similar way, you're ministering in the way that you do to anybody who has a Wi-Fi connection right? or access to a podcast. Yeah. Now, that's not the entire world, of course, but it's certainly a growing um, – that, that's a field of ministry is expanding. Yeah, that's um, – You know, dy- dynamically. Um, we should say that your website is called Nothing Wasted. Nothing is wasted. Nothing, I'm nothing sorry. Is nothing wasted is wasted. Dot com. Com, yep. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where that title came from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know – I uh, have previously been married. Um, I'm, I've been married again. You'll kind of understand the, you know, that story as we go along here. But my wife Amanda and I moved up here to Indianapolis from South Carolina. I was a youth pastor at a church in South Carolina, and then uh, just kind of felt this this stirring or this calling uh, from God. Now I know I don't not sure what your particular faith background is if you're listening to this, but um, after a while of just feeling this stirring, feeling this thing that I could not we couldn't divorce ourselves from, we decided to answer this call that we were going to come to Indianapolis and plant a church. And um, planting a church is a really difficult endeavor. Uh, you know, especially we didn't we didn't know anybody in Indianapolis. It was not something that um, you know, we didn't like spin the globe and go, oh, Indianapolis. We felt this this particular burden for the city. We wanted to plant a life-giving church and, and tr- trying to do church in a new way to 
to reach people who were disenfranchised by church, disconnected by church, people who didn't typically like to go to church. We wanted to connect them to church. And so when we started doing this, it was just a long, hard road. We felt like we were assigned to plant a forest, but we were dropped in the middle of a parking lot. There's a lot of just hard work and tilling up the soil. And so for several years, we did that and struggled through that. And we started finally kind of feeling some momentum with our church. We reached, you know, just over a hundred congregants or a hundred members. And we're like, wow, this thing's beginning to take off. Maybe this will actually survive. And, um, it was November of 2015, I kind of uh, was, it was a Tuesday morning and I was just following a, a regular ritual of my day. I would get up super early on Tuesday mornings and I would go to the gym and came back and I walked through my front door and walked into my worst nightmare and really everybody's worst nightmare. And um, I found um, my, my wife lying on the floor um, of our living room face down in a pool of blood. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. It's extremely traumatic, but everything seems to go in fast motion and slow motion all at the same time. And uh, as quickly as I could, I, I rushed to her side and, and called the paramedics and felt like it took him about three hours to get there. It took about about three minutes, I later found out. And so my um, we had a 15-month-old at the time, and we were pregnant 13 weeks along with our second. And, um, and so I just kind of thought maybe something had gone wrong with the pregnancy, that if we could get her to the hospital, everything would be, be fine. And so the paramedics came and attended to her, and I grabbed my 15-month-old upstairs in the crib. We followed them to the hospital. And... And the next thing I know, there were, uh, as I'm sitting in the waiting room, expecting to be able to go back and see her and everything would be stabilized, doctors and investigators came back, uh, came to the waiting room and told me that, um, that she had three uh, bullet wounds in her. One was in her arm, one was grazed over her back, and one was in the back of her head. And so they were going to try to operate if the swelling would go down, but um, the prognosis was pretty grim. And... Um, so, so in that moment, my world was turned upside down. And about a year and a half after this happened, I, um, I, I was having so many conversations with people who had walked through hard times. And um, it, it felt like there were so many people who were just generous people that reached out to me and invited me into their circles and helped me walk through this valley, helped me walk through my pain. And, and at the same time, I, I felt this like... Uh, I felt misunderstood by the world, to be honest with you. Our, our story was very public. And, um, you know, I, I saw some of the comments and the naysayers and the, and the critics and the conspiracy theorists on, online. I saw all of that. And, and, and I felt and people like people can be really mean to you know, right oh behind the screen. They get yes. really bold and decide they get very courageous, courageous behind the scene. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Anonymity is a great emboldening thing, isn't yes. it? Yeah, it's yeah. exactly the right. The comment section of mm -hmm. Facebook or YouTube is a great <laughs> place to be if you want to feel terrible about the world. That's it's exactly right. And I um, and so I kind of felt in the middle of people asking the question. Um, is this legit? How are you walking well through this? Because I made statements like, hey, I'm choosing to forgive these perpetrators. I made statements like that on national television. I know that doesn't make any sense. I get it. I understand that. But this is something that forgiveness, despite what has been done to you, is something I was preaching all the way up to this moment. And now all of a sudden it was testing me. It was like, do you, is, this, is this just lip service? Or is this really a lifestyle that you choose to adopt forgiveness? And so I felt in the tension between people going, is this legit? And, and other people helping me navigate my pain. And so what I wanted to do was bridge that gap. And so I, I kept wanting to be like, no, 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 you guys don't understand. Come here and listen to these people that I'm learning from. And that's what started the podcast. 
that was the idea behind the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. It was simply me wanting to bring those men and women who had helped me through my trial, have conversations with me, me asking the same questions and, and kind of re, re like refabricate the conversations that we had had behind closed doors for the public to be able to see this is how you walk through trial well. So I kind of felt like a guide, not the expert. It's like, you know, this is this is what I'm learning. And so here, just kind of clue in, be a fly on the wall from the things that I'm learning. And then I, I, it just began to pick up, pick up steam. And um, it's like people really enjoyed uh, hearing other people's stories of hope in the midst of trial, tragedy, and transition. And, and, and hearing that they could hold on to hope no matter what they've gone through because there are other people that have lived it out. And, the, and, and, and it's like the, the world is saying, well, if, if, if they can do that or, or if, if God can see them through that, then he can see me through my pain as well. So it's a thank you very much for sharing that yeah. story. I know you've probably had to share it countless times. Yeah. Um, and there's... it gets easier every time I do. I, I wonder. <laughs> uh, I well, that's what I would say. You know, someone, anybody who's who's gone through trauma, who's gone through difficult things. I think so many times we try to keep it in the dark. And uh, again, one of the beauties about this kind of a platform of of talking about things, it's there. It's a very cathartic healing thing to say, hey, we're going to expose the things that are happening inside of us in the dark that are just kind of festering and stuff. And we're going to bring it to light. We're going to begin to heal from it. And uh, essentially what I do on a podcast with people is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's we just talk it out. And it's been powerful to see how it's healing even for the people I'm interviewing in that moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some healing moments that happen when we're interviewing people who have gone through tough times. Helps you connect Right. With other people, of course, Just being mm-hmm. able to either a show your empathy back or being able to relate. And for the person being vulnerable, it's it's for them to be able to say, this is me. This is who I am. Yep. And you can accept me or choose not to, I guess, accept me for who I am or how I am right now right. at this very moment. Well, it's the power of story. Mm-hmm. And, and and this is the thing, you know, so often we were kind of talking about this off air that. For whatever reason, especially in our faith community, we can tend to, as Christians, evangelical Christians, we can tend to get a bad rap because of uh, collectives of our and constituents of our faith that like to speak out for what they're against. And it's very important. They're often very loud voices. And they're loud. It's not the majority of them. It's the, they're loud. It's the same thing as the people who like to write behind, right. you know, on, on, <laughs> on the make the Facebook right, comments, right. all that kind of stuff. They're not the majority. They're just really loud. So they seem like the majority. So they give a bad rap to whatever they're, you know, whatever they're representing. And and so um, what instead of, though, what I love about podcasting and what we do specifically is it doesn't come across preachy or judgmental because what we're doing is we're asking people to share their stories and you can't argue with story. It is, it is the, the power of the narrative, the power of the human narrative all throughout time has, has, um, has, has uh, really spoken to people and moved people's hearts and then moved them to action where they look at someone's story and they go, wow, you know, I can't argue with that. That's amazing. And so for me, this has been kind of a, 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 a subsequent reality has been, wow, we're presenting the message of hope and the message of the gospel and the message of Christianity in a way that is very palatable for people who maybe have been turned off by the church. So in some respects, the thing that we moved up here to Indianapolis to do and help invite people who have been burned by the church, turned off to the church, we're now accomplishing that 
And God's using it in a different way um, because of just the power of story. And so I just get to ask questions and people share their stories. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I paid you ahead of time to to talk about the power of story. That's <laughs> part of my, it's a big part of my job here. But um, I wanted to say or wanted to ask you um, the things that people experience in their lives that are tragic. They take on different forms. Could be abuse, could be death, um, homicide in some cases, suicide, ideation, or, or whatever it is. Um, and we experience those things, and I think the oftentimes the natural response is, I've got to keep it in mm. because maybe I feel like it was my fault or I feel afraid that people will judge me or I'm afraid that this might be damaging to my career if mm. I were to, sh to share um, this pain in my life. What would you say to those people that say, I just can't bring myself to, to share that story? Yeah. Well, it's that's more common than than the alternative for sure i think i think most people um wrestle with that thought because i think for whatever reason it's human nature we we don't like to give off the um the idea that we're not doing well you know we have we live in an instagram culture where everybody sees each other's highlights keeping up with the Joneses. showing the shiny yeah. thing yeah i and want you so, to see all the shiny things in my that's life that's exactly right but the ugly things the painful things that's not going up on right. instagram and unfortunately because we see everybody's shiny things it perpetuates this idea of comparison which further shoves down and suppresses these things that are going on inside of us that we don't want to share with anybody and and certainly you can't share with everybody because that's not safe so you've got to have a safe community or safe people that that deemed that are deemed safe and they're there for that role to be able to share it with but i would say that that in suppression we are um actually we're actually limiting the ability for us to move through that particular trial we we tend to run away from that pain we don't want to deal with it and and the reason we run away from it is because it's hard it it is it hurts really bad um and so justifiably so we we shove it and we suppress it the problem with doing that is that it it will ooze out of us it finds its way out somehow and and it finds its way out later down the road whether it be through anger or through you know some kind of rash reactions or uh, or it could manifest itself in the relationships that you have with other people. Exactly. And then in some extreme cases in, in mental health and, you know, depression and anxiety and all of these things. And so um, there's a really powerful uh, illustration that I've that I heard. And um, it's it's this idea of running toward the roar. So when lions hunt, they actually hunt in gender roles. Um, the male is more bark than bite. It's the female, the lionesses, that are actually the the hunters of the pride, and so what will happen is they'll 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 they have this strategy. They'll go down to the watering hole, and you have a zebra or a wildebeest or something, right? You've seen this scene on National Geographic, and you and you usually have the male lion that emerges and kind of prowls around, and the females they hide themselves in an ambush, they hide themselves in the bush, so that so that ultimately the male lion will get up on its haunches, it'll flare its mane, it'll let out this huge roar, and it'll scare the prey into the ambush. So if, in order for the prey to survive, what they need to do is they actually need to run toward the roar, run toward the thing that's scaring them rather than away from it. Our emotions are the same thing. Our emotions hold us hostage when we run away from them and they become bigger and bigger and bigger. And so whatever we've experienced, it, it, they accompany these emotions that can seem very, very 
overwhelming, but they don't have to be overwhelming if we begin to put bring them to light. And so if we run toward the roar and lean into the hard things by talking about things that are hard, that literally you guys just heard me explain some of the details of the day of my wife's murder. It, it is it is so difficult to, to articulate that. I feel the triggers every time I do. I, I feel myself go back into that space. But the more and more I let it out into light, the the easier it gets. Because now that scene, that actual setting right there, uh, the more I bring it to light, it doesn't have power over me. And so if we want to have dominion again over our emotions and not let them lord over us, we have to, one, embrace those emotions, receive, accept the fact, okay, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling depressed. It's not who I am. You are a much, you are comprised of a much more in your personhood than just, I am depressed. A part of you is feeling depressed, but you have to accept that and then name it, call it what it is. Psychologists will tell you that the second you actually say, I am afraid right now, that it immediately, what happens in your brain it begins that the 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 hormones that are re being released because of your fear they begin to dissipate just by calling it what mm -hmm. it is. It's losing its power. It's exactly right, and so that's what I would say to someone who they just don't want to deal with it. They don't want to face it head on. I know it's excruciating, but deal with it and face it head on. Whether it be with a counselor, a therapist, somehow talk about these things because that is what begins to give you agency and control again over your situation. And ultimately, you're going to be able to find purpose in that situation. Right. And I think the other thing about uh, sharing your story, too, is not only does it help you cope with what's happened to you and deal with that pain, but you never know what other people are facing. Yes. And you never know how the, you never know the power of your shared story, your shared experience and how you were able to deal with it or are dealing with it right. in the present moment could give other people encouragement and strength so that they know it's exactly right man i'm yeah. not alone in this and this is an experience that other people have been through or yep. maybe worse or whatever it is it's just different but it's um can be traumatizing yeah but i now believe that i can overcome this thing because i'm hearing the story from somebody else who's yep. overcome it's about it as well humans always wanting to connect with each other yeah, right? right that's yep. that's our innate feeling right. so mm -hmm. By being able to share your story, you're also able to connect with that other person that's out there who might yep. be listening, who might be going through the same thing. And and that is a powerful thing. Being able yeah. To and that's what happens in trauma so often is that we try to isolate. We try to kind of like, again, because we don't want to be seen vul as vulnerable as, you know, nobody wants to. No, I don't want anybody to see me ugly cry. You know, I don't <laughs> want, like that's that's terrifying to me. But the more I let the right people in and being vulnerable, it actually increases my ability to heal through that because we were meant to, to, to do this together. Absolutely. I think this is a good place for us to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment and continue our conversation with Davey. Stay tuned. Hello there. Josh Reed here, producer of Take a Moment. As we continue our conversation with Davey, you'll hear how he's using unconventional methods to personalize experiences with his congregation through technology in this digital age. Customers of any business are looking for that personal touch, and advancements in things like AI and machine learning are making that even more of a reality. To learn more about how you can use Genesis to add that one-of-a-kind experience that nurtures customers through their journey, check out the resources below. And thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share, and stay tuned for the next episode of Take a Moment.
Welcome back. We're here with Davey Blackburn. And I just want to go back to how did you get that calling to go yeah. into ministry? It's something very, I guess, I don't want to say foreign to me, but yeah. something that in our generation, it's very hard to say, you know, this is what I want to go into unless like you have a parent that's like, already a pastor or right yeah. in that sort of well, circle. Wrong. Yeah. So, and so I think true. when you say like, um, I felt God yeah. pointing me in this direction, some people might think you what sound like mean? an insane person. Yeah, so absolutely. God came to you and he talked to you. Right. So, um, for those of our listeners who might not be familiar with that sort of terminology, can yeah. you kind of get us up to speed and then how that, like Mari said, it impacted you. I'm so glad you guys mentioned that because that's one of my pet peeves is to like, when people just say, God told me to do this because it, it does, it sounds insane. And the reality is, is, People don't hear the audible voice of God, but what it is is it's a it's it feels it's like this stirring that you can't get away from. It's almost like at every turn it keeps presenting itself, and so I mean we could go into a lot of different. I my favorite thing to do is to help people find their calling in life, and I think that that calling happens at the convergence of three circles: the your gifts, like your greatest talents, um, your greatest passions, and the world's greatest needs. If you get like the Venn diagram of that, the center of that is calling. And so a simple way is just to do that. And what I realize is that for me, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I like to, I like to talk, you know, and my, I think I just had some experience with my dad's a preacher. And so I grew up around preaching. And so I I just developed a, a talent or a knack for it. And it was confirmed by other people. You know, we can trick ourselves into thinking that we have a talent in something. I used to think that I was supposed to be a worship leader. That was supposed to be my call in ministry. <laughs> and then I like led worship in college and I went back to my dorm. I was like, what do you think guys? And they're like, yeah, that was something. Maybe you know? God's not calling Maybe that's me. Not that's not your calling. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you got to be gifted in it or at least have the propensity toward it. Right. Something you can hone that craft and you got to be passionate about it. You don't want to do something for just a paycheck, you know, and then, you know, I think a real strong calling comes from this place of the, does the world need it? Right. Is this, is this fulfilling some kind of like higher thing that is really going to add value to other people. And I'm not just doing it to climb a ladder or something like that. And so I was kind of in a crisis of that my senior year of high school. And I went to a conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, heard this preacher get up. He was an old guy. And um, he, he, because of that, I dismissed him. I was like, I'm not listening to the thing he says. And and then he said, he proceeded to say, I'm talking to people today who feel called to full-time ministry. And I was like, Definitely not listening. <laughs> At the time, I was wanting to be an orthopedic surgeon. I was working oh, wow. for the top orthopedic surgeon in the country as a, a, a in high school in a co-op. So Dr. James Andrews, who does all the like SEC athlete surgeries, wanted to go into sports medicine, thought I had my path cleared for me. And um, and then this guy gets up and he preaches this message that I didn't hear. And at the very end of the message, he says, if you feel called to full-time ministry, stand up, walk to the back. And this is the only part of that calling I feel like was somewhat of a supernatural thing. I literally, almost in an out-of-body experience, stood up and started walking to the back and then kind of snapped to and was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? And it's like everything kind of converged to a head and it all made sense. I had this like peace that, no, orthopedic surgery is not the route I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to go into ministry because I love to help people. And, and God's given me these gifts and these talents. And then later I would find out that, you know, God doesn't just use your talents and abilities. He also uses your tragedies and your trials to kind of move you into the destiny that he has for you as well. But that was the moment that I knew that I was called to ministry. And how old were you when that I was 18. 18. And so then I went to a Bible school in South Carolina 
And um, and I've always been kind of a rebel or a maverick. I've never liked conventional church. As soon as it becomes conventional, I'm like, ah, let's rebel against that and do something else. <laughs> right. And I was around a bunch of guys. I was playing baseball on a scholarship at this school, and so I was around a bunch of guys who who they they didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and and they they were unsettled and unrest. They were kind of felt a lot of them felt empty. They didn't know they felt empty. And as we began having conversations. I started seeing their eyes kind of come to, you know, come to light when it comes to uh, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, not just follow rules and regulations that oftentimes gets kind of predisposed about Christianity. And so it just became something where I felt like, man, this is it, it made me come alive to see these guys start to understand the Bible and understand Jesus in a whole new way. And I think that's what really led me into this idea of, man, I want to start a church for people who who are disenfranchised by church, for people just like them who never stepped foot through the doors of a church, wanted to you know stand away from it. Maybe the church was ostracizing or judging them because of their lifestyle uh, and their behavior. Let's let's start a church that connects with those kinds of people. And so I think as we began to move into the kind of the podcasting, for me, it's still a little bit of a maverick thing. You know, it's like a a rebellious thing where I'm going you know, let's do something unconventional. Let's reach people in places where they might feel like God is as far away from them as possible. When in reality, in their tragedy, trial, and transition, God is very near. And maybe we can intersect them there. We even talked about that, right, earlier, about technology bridging that gap Mm -hmm. and making it more accessible. How are you using technology now outside of just the podcast of being able to connect more uh, with more people rather than just in... Uh, brick and mortar yeah. church. Yeah. So it's funny when, when we really started picking up steam with the podcast simultaneously, we were making a really big life decision. My, my new wife and I to step away from the church that we were pastoring and to move into doing this full time. And so I started traveling and speaking to other churches. And the primary thing that people said was, wow, that story was so inspiring, but what do I do next? They were going through their own trial or transition. And, um, and so I, we, we said, okay, how can we go from just inspiration? The podcast was this just massive flooding of inspirational content for people. How can we go from inspiration to transformation? And so what we, what we kind of strategized about, I actually stole this from Dave Ramsey. I don't know if anybody's a Dave <laughs> yeah. Ramsey fan, right? Again, at the convergence of three circles. So here is another Venn diagram for you. Transformation happens with uh, content, community, and coaching. Mari, we CrossFit, yes, yeah, right? We and do. we've seen a lot of transformation in our lives because of CrossFit. There's something powerful about CrossFit. There's content, there's programming, right? right? It's the the stuff they give you each, you know, and then they inform you about fitness and about nutrition. So they give you the content. They provide you with community that's really encouraging and inspiring and makes you like compete with each other, right? right? But, but in a friendly time, way. It's a friendly, you, right. encouraging way, right? Yes. And then you also have coaching. You have someone who's a little bit further along in the process that's pushing you or guiding you in that process. And we, so we said, okay, if we can help people in their tragedy trials and transitions in that vein, let's do that. So that became kind of the strategy behind our web presence. So let's move from just doing a podcast to, 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 to try to move into how do we create community around this, which already there was a natural community built with just podcast listeners. So now we're just going, how do we not just connect you to our voice, but connect you to each other? And that's something we're actively pursuing and developing right now is to connect people who are going through particular tragedies. I don't, when I lost my wife, I wanted to talk to somebody who had lost their spouse and someone who was young, right? Someone who I didn't want to talk to like 
I'm sorry, but like a 75 year old who lost right. her spouse, it's a different, it's a different, right. it's a different having it's different experience. Right. It's a different class, way to right? process yeah. that grief. Exactly. I wanted to know, man, I've got a lot of, hopefully a lot of life left to live. Do I have hope for a, another meaningful marriage? I wanted to see someone say, yeah, you've got hope. You're going to have to heal through this. You're going to have to work through some things, but you've got hope for that. And so we found that people have that kind of desire. And so we're creating right now online community hubs that will connect people with their specific trial, tragedy, or transition. So down to specifically people who are struggling with anxiety and they're like, I want to raise my hand and talk to other people who are struggling with anxiety. And at the same time, I want to talk to a guide or a coach that can help me because they're further along in the process in their own story. And so that's kind of the impetus behind our website. We said, how do we move that to a web presence to serve the people that were, you know, uh, in community over, the, over this platform? Not to get too techy on you, but you talked about your website and yeah. we, Nate and I both uh, were on your website. It is very user friendly. Yeah. It's mm. very easy. It's very, very clear. Simple. Yes. And we were just wondering what was that impetus for your user experience? Yeah. How did you walk through it as if you were somebody visiting it, right? right? Like yeah. some, that's something that's super important when we're talking about user experience and right. customer experience. And what were your sort of goals and directives that you laid out for this website design? Yeah, yeah. So um, w there are several different things that went into it. I remember having a conversation with my wife now, Christy, as we were kind of unfolding, what do we wanna do when it comes to our web presence? And the thing I remember her saying is when someone walks through something difficult, they need something that's clean. That's it's there, there's so much chaos that's going on. They're getting I mean, geez, if you lose a spouse, you lose something, right? You're getting shipped all of these just random stuff like cards and letters and paraphernalia. And you need to go to this therapist. This, you need to go yeah, to this. Yeah, yeah. And it's so crowded and money. Yeah. And everybody has their own advice for you. And everybody says these things that, man, they have the right intention, but it just is not the things you want to hear at that time. And so we we're like, let's make this when people come to this experience, we come to this website, they experience this feeling like this visceral feeling of, wow, like I, I can find healing here, you know? And so um, like that, a little bit of that weight lifting. Yeah, super clean, super simple, and then step by step. Now, we recognize that in helping people, uh, the nuance of our particular mission, helping people navigate trial, there is no step by step, right? In fact, grief, no matter what it is, you don't have to lose somebody. You're grieving, right? You're grieving the loss of something, whether it's the loss of a dream, loss of a you know job, all that kind of stuff. It tends to be more cyclical. You know, they say the stages of grief. There's not, it's not stages. It's just, hey, you're going to have all of these stages at once and it's all going to feel compounded. But what we wanted to help people understand is that in some, on some level, we can help you find some, almost like a stair, like a spiral staircase to kind of get you up out of your valley. And so there are steps that you need to take and let us help you discover what that step is. So it became a little complicated in that because you know, for some organizations and some businesses, it's very clear. It's like, you do this first, do this next and do this next. And, you know, for us, it was like, well, we need to create some kind of, uh, we call them waypoints for people to, to handholds to get through their valley, but it may not happen in the same order. You know, we were talking off air about StoryBrand. StoryBrand was, I mean, if you've never heard of StoryBrand, you've got to go check it out. Donald Miller, and the whole story brand concept. But the idea behind it is that marketing is really the, the best type of marketing is really just age old wisdom of story mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of, of writing a narrative. 
And so I learned this concept when I was writing my book, Nothing is Wasted. And then I began to learn that you can you can take this template and put it onto the way that you communicate anything, communicate your product, your service, whatever it is. And the idea behind StoryBrand is that there is a story arc to everything. There is a character in every story and the character has a problem. And that problem is either internal, external, or philosophical. Or a combination of the or three. Or a combination of all of them. Right. That's usually the best. If you can communicate those problems of the character, then that's usually going to hook that person the most, right? You're able to go, that people are able to see themselves in that character. If you can go, yeah, that was the external problem that happened, the circumstance against me, the internal thing I was wrestling with, and then these big macro philosophical questions right. that it caused me to ask. And then within that journey of the character, there's always a guide who is a little bit further along in the process and they your Yoda, your Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And they help the guide or they help the character navigate, but there's ultimately a call to action that will end up turning or making, causing some transformation um, or some healing, some catharsis in that character. And so what we said is, okay, well, what if we position ourselves as the guide? We're not experts at this, but we're a little bit further along in the process We've kind of walked through some things. We've learned some things through the school of hard knocks and experience, and we've stumbled and fallen a little bit. We can tell you what fails and what's, what, what, what our failures were, what our successes are. But let's help the character then become the hero of the story. Instead of trying to be heroes ourselves, let's help the character become the hero. So on our website, you'll see a little bit about our story, but we're actively trying to push it away from our story and empower other people's stories, which again ties into why we do the podcast. Because it's it's just given life to all kinds of, you know, all kinds of stories all over and, and creating a unison of voices that says it is possible to navigate through your trials. One of the things that I love about your website, again, whether you you are someone who's uh, been through tragedy in your life and you're looking for kind of those those guideposts or or um, someone to kind of help you process through that. Or if you just want to see a really well done website, uh, not to put any pressure on you oh, guys, gosh, but it's just man. so well done. And one of the things I love about it is that you have a number of different things that you're giving to your user or your hero uh, for free. Yep. And you have a number of different options for them to consume uh, your message. You have um, the podcast, of course. You have a blog. There's an ebook that they can download. There are video courses and um, uh, all sorts of things. That no matter how I like to consume my information, there's a there's a spot for me to do. Right. It. It's always meeting someone where they're at. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where that part is. Yeah. And I and I, I would say to you know to those who are business savvy. I mean, we all know that we have to give free content. Like we have to give stuff away. Cause there are some people who are going like, can you just give away content? Yeah. Like if you give, if you have the heart of generosity, it ends up coming back to you. And so it, you have to have like almost like a 10 to one rule. We're going to give, 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 give. And then we'll kind of make an ask by allowing some opt-ins. So we also have content that people can purchase or they can opt in for like monthly membership programs or something like that. And I think that's just another way for somebody to volitionally dive in a little bit deeper into your community and kind of get a little bit closer access to, you know, the message that right. you're, you're portraying. It goes back to consuming religion, for, right. for lack of a better way, on their terms, right? It's exactly. not you forcing it upon terms, them, right. faith on their terms. Right. So I think sometimes, especially in tech world, we get so complicated. If we can think simple, 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 practical, 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 serve, 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 then we're going to win. 
Yeah. Because ultimately you're helping other people win. And you're being, if you go into it, no matter what your business is, no matter what your company is, um, if you go into it with a mindset of, I want to be generous to my customer, right. be generous to my user, whatever it is, think about generosity of your message and generosity and clarity of how you're laying out that message and how you're communicating it. That's something I think that so many businesses can yeah. benefit from. It's just really, really good marketing. And I think, you know, Donald Miller always says people don't necessarily buy the best products. They buy the products that they understand the fastest and the clearest. Right. And um, I think that's very, very true. And I think you think about the iPhone, right? I, I know. It's, it's adopted pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, it's very well adopted. But is it the best possible phone that you can buy? I don't know. But right. I'm probably but not going to buy yeah, any easy. other phones because I'm so used to that interface. So, yeah, it's amazing how easy it is to um, just get noise out there. Yeah. You can spread noise very easily. It's much because it's a sort of a chaotic world and there's noise everywhere. Yeah. But to get to clarity, to communicate clarity is much harder. And I think this is a probably misappropriation of a, uh, a quote. I think it was Mark. Twain, but I could be totally wrong. <laughs> um, but he wrote a letter to someone, and then the postscript was, I'm sorry this letter is so long, I didn't have time to make it shorter. Hmm. So it's harder to condense. That's why poetry is so effective, because mm -hmm. poetry is condensed thought. It's That's why it's hard to do and hard to do well. Yep. And um, I think marketing is the same way. It's hard to do in such a clear way. And especially with how our brains are sort of programmed with a lot of sort of crap that's coming right. at us. And the dopamine release that I get from every time I, uh, I, I'm feeling myself down, I need a dopamine release. So I pick up my phone and all of a sudden it's dopamine. Right. And then, you know, I start scrolling through Instagram and there's that sort of feeding into it. So it's all that crap coming at you. But if you can communicate what your business does um, or your ministry in this case does to your end user in a generous way, Mike, it's just yeah. exponential the amount of whatever uh, growth that you can do if it's a business or people that you can help if it's impact. a, it's yep. a ministry. Exactly impact right. that you can have. Right. Yeah. What is your favorite failure? That oh, time man. that you really turned it into an opportunity, a great learning experience? Uh, I tend to go back to, um, I'm still processing some of the failures most recently that I've had because I think trauma and tragedy really cause people to make uh, decisions that they wouldn't make in other, you know, in other types of contexts. And so there's definitely a lot of stories that I can, I will hopefully tell in the next couple of years of like, man, I shouldn't, have, I would have done that differently had I not been under a cloud of grief. You know what I mean? But I think, uh, one of my favorite failures is when I was in college, I was leading a ministry and we tried to, you remember the band Anne Berlin? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we tried to do a, a benefit concert and I've always been a big vision guy and I just kind of jump and then hope that I have my parachute on. That's typically how I operate. <laughs> and so, man, I knew that we were going to be able to raise enough money to have Amberlynn come in and headline some big benefit concert that we were going to do to raise money to, for prevention of AIDS in Africa. And it was like this big ordeal. It's going to have live aid. Oh, yeah. man, <laughs> right? it was going to be incredible. And I went ahead and booked Amberlynn and we spent about a whole semester trying, it was actually almost an entire year trying to raise funds for this. And I outsourced the fundraising. I was leading a team and one of the departments of our team was fundraising, but they didn't know how to fundraise. And so I didn't teach them how to fundraise. I just expected that, that they would know fundraise. how to yeah. fundraise. And that was probably up to that point, that was the biggest failure uh, that I had ever, because we ended up having to call Amberlynn and break the, we actually didn't sign a contract, which helped us. For some reason, they didn't have a sign of contract. So it prevented a lot of litigation issues that could have happened right there. But I, that saved my tail 
because we called and just had to break the agreement with them. And uh, their manager did not have um, it had some choice words. He for did, me. yeah. It, it wasn't the kindest response. <laughs> the kindest to, response yeah. to uh, yeah. us breaking the agreement. But man, I look back on that and I just realized the lesson I learned in that was. Don't just, as a leader, you can't just tell people what you expect. You also have to show them how to do it. You have to give them the resources and the training to be able to accomplish what you're asking them to accomplish. They want to accomplish it, but they might not be able to. And it's not because if you haven't set person. them up for success. That's sure. exactly right. And so I just dropped it on them and walked away. And, and then I, it turns out we didn't have the money to do it. So, um, Is there any other book that you would... Uh, recommend or give out to somebody that's impacted you could be a business book could be whatever sort of book could be a oh, novel could man. be Harry Potter and I've got Prisoner a, of Azkaban if you want. I love to read so there's probably a billion books I'll give you the one that's most pressing on me right now because I just finished reading it I think it was so impactful Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl Man's Search for Meaning Viktor Frankl was a concentration camp survivor and also a psychiatrist and so it's very insightful what he comes the observations he had of men who were suffering and knew that their death was near and the way that re they reacted to that and so he developed a whole therapy based around it but he has some incredible quotes about uh, man's um, choice in whatever circumstances they're going through he says one thing about the the last of all human freedoms is the ability to choose how to respond to the circumstances that befall you, that nobody can steal that choice away from you, how you respond, right? Um, you know, 10% of life is what happens to us. 90% is how we respond to what happens to us. No matter what happens to us, we do have a choice. And I think Viktor Frankl's book really highlights that. Hopefully at some point, my book, Nothing is Wasted, will <laughs> we'll hit the bookshelves when it comes out. Thinking... <laughs> At some point of the next year, it might be. Yeah, it'll be within the. It'll pro hopefully be in 2020, probably May or something like that. Um, you know, as, as long as so, my my late wife's trial is set for February of 2020 at the time of this recording, and uh, if that goes through, then we'll probably release the book around May, June, something like that. So, well, we like to end our podcast by playing a game. <laughs> if that's okay. Um, the last game we played was the newlywed game. But if we could ask you a few would you rather questions yeah. to close this out. Marty, you have a good one. Would you rather 150 wall balls or 2K row and 10 rounds of Cindy? Uh... Easily. Oh, that sounds super inappropriate, by the way. I'm not sure. <laughs> Easily 2K row, 10 rounds of Cindy. Easily. Yeah. I feel like I can fly through that. 150 wall balls is just nasty. Uh, can you just, I had a curiosity, what is a, a wob ball? A wall ball. Wall ball. So you have like a medicine ball. Okay. Weighted. For eight guys, pounder. it's like 20 pounds. 20 pounds. For girls, it's 14. I said eight. And you have a target. That seemed heavy to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You have, a t you have a target up on the wall, and you have to do a squat, and then when you come up out of your squat, you throw the ball up to the target. So imagine 150 of those. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, and then a Cindy? Cindy is, uh, it's a series of three exercises. It's five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats. That's called Cindy. That's wow. one round. That's wow, one wow, round. Wow, so wow. ten rounds of that would be, you know, a total That's of fifty too much. pull ups. And, yeah. and then what was the other thing that you said? Two K row. Two K row. Two thousand meter row. Okay, so you're on a, a, on a, a rower. Machine. Yeah, on you a just rower. keep going until. Wow, I've just. <laughs> Like just thinking about that, I, I lost I know, a lot I'm of actually, weight right I now. Know. I just, I just stopped sweating. 
and now just talking about this. <laughs> you know, just already just like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. A lot of work. That's amazing. Davey, thank you so oh, much man. for your time, for coming out and sharing your story. Um, I know that we really appreciate it. Yeah. And you never know who is going to be impacted by your story. So oh. thank you for yeah, sharing. Yeah, thank you Thanks guys. For taking a moment it's with us. It's been an honor. Thank you.